0: So, Mickey Mellon, welcome to the podcast. I want to begin by starting at the very early stages of your footballing journey. How did football become a passion for you in your early days? Uh, First of all, good evening. Um, Very, very early. I
1: mean, every young, generally every young Glaswegian boy um, from everyone I can remember, and plays football and, and wants to be a footballer and that's all we would ever do from ever since I can remember and gradually as you obviously you get older you people start to maybe notice that you, you have a bit of talent or whatever and you you, you get into some teams and school teams and things like that and away you go and gradually that's how it grew so it grew very much from a council estate in Glasgow. Um, way, way back from, I can remember, uh, kicking about with, with, with my friends.
0: And how did that correlate to your professional career, those experiences kind of growing up and obviously you becoming a manager? Is there anything that stands out in terms of that upbringing that has maybe shaped you within your leadership approach? Oh, yeah, was sort of down. I think
1: very, very early, um, if I think back in, in, in life, I think as a young Glaswegian, you you learn something called being streetwise very very early, and you learn who to talk to in which way, and how to see threat. And, I mean, listeners, it's, it's a lot of great things about Glasgow as well, but obviously you had to you had to grow up very quickly, and and you had to you had to learn um, what battles to get involved in and what not to. And, um, so from a very very early age, we we young we we Glaswegians understand um, relationships and which is massive and which is massive in leadership, massive in life really. Um, they are a com- com- conversation and all the kind of qualities that you need uh, to kind of talk yourself out or talk yourself into trouble. But no, from a very early age, um, uh, that that was that was pretty much what happened and. In Glasgow and yeah absolutely big learning curve uh, in my younger uh, days and still
0: very much now all the lessons that I learned back then still very much with me now. Was there anyone that stands out in terms of those experiences obviously you're growing up in the west of Scotland and then having opportunities to potentially play was there anyone that stands out in terms of being a mentor for you that has inspired you to to have a career within management now? Um. Yeah, men, there's many, many people
1: who have, have definitely influenced me from from ever I can remember on ways that have made me the, the person that I'm today, from your parents and, and to people who, your friends and all the, the kind of things. And football or the managers that took time to run teams for free, which was really important. And I always, always really um, respect guys you now who run kids' football teams because it wasn't for them who. Where would we play? So we were very fortunate. We had school teachers and and guys at Runmore, were well, little club teams that enabled us to get the opportunity to play football. And then when I got to the age of 16 17 I got the opportunity to well, from some sort of 13, 14 I had opportunities to sign for a lot of football clubs. And uh, I decided to sign, sign for for Hearts as a young fourteen-year-old them, what was called an S form back then, but when we got to sort of 16 17, there was no youth policy in Scotland, then there was no under 18s football playing for like you get now, where Celtic under 18s would play Dundee the United under 18s or whatever in, in the league that that wasn't happening back then. So the opportunity came for me to go go to England. Um, I think I'd just done 16 17 to, to go to England, and yeah, that was a uh, that was the the end of my life in in uh, in Scotland.
0: How was that for you? Because obviously you said at the start that you were very streetwise growing up in Scotland, and that transition, maybe leaving home. How did you cope with that, and and how did that develop you as a, as an individual? Well, I, I just think that a lot of things, a lot of factors in it. There was
1: we we the, the team that I played for had a good relationship with Bristol City. There was a couple of Scottish boys already down there, so I knew what I was going down it um, Joe Jordan and Jimmy Lumsden were there. Joe Jordan, Scottish legend, uh, to to be able to go and play for him um, was was no even in question. That was that was such an honour, and um, to just be able to go and play football. And I'd gone down to Bristol for a couple of, a, a week, I think, before um, we decided that I was going to sign. And it was just such a brilliant football club and such a beautiful city the accommodation that put me in was first class. And, um, no, I'll be honest, for me back then, I mean, if I look at my own kids' notes, 16, 17, to sort of put them in a train at Glasgow Central and tell them that get off the train when it stops and can't go any further in Bristol, and sort of eight or nine hours later, yeah, it does seem like a big thing. But like I said back then, all were quite streetwise and used to doing that kind of stuff. So uh, I was going to play football and, and uh, that's all really that we, that we cared about.
0: How did that transition from happen from you playing to to managing? Can you kind of share that experience on that that transition? And was there a realization when you were playing that you wanted to become a manager, or did you fall into coaching, or how did that work? No, no. Well, I never, I never
1: thought about footballs. You never think about anything but playing forever until somebody says that's it, you're done. Yeah. Um, you did wee bits of preparation, I did a bit of education, and that, and during my playing career, but never ever thought about really getting into coaching and management. It was so difficult get into I mean, there's only two at every club that really took, but well, three now you get, you get more now. But back then it was like first team manager and assistant manager. Um, so no, I, I didn't really think about it. But when you play until sort of the age that I played, I think we played until about thirty three, and you start to um meet people when you're 33 and they start to say to you what is it you want to do and, and you, you, you don't really know but you're, you're at that age where you can become a coach and then the question people started to ask me would I, would I want to coach or would I want to do this and that and I just sort of fell into it because it was just the, like the next stage it was the next thing that I did in football and then as I went along burn the men that coached the 14s and 15s and I did my coaching badges Um, then I got a call right at the blue from Fleetwood to go and speak with them and got the Fleetwood job and then it just kept going from there really it wasn't it wasn't I, I couldn't honestly say and even looking back now I don't believe you can make plans I think it's just football and you just got to keep going and keep doing what you're doing and, and uh, be, be around when the opportunities are there and, and make sure that you take them it's always been the same even when I was a player uh, it's a very very same in, in coaching and management and then very very quickly you you stand at the other side of the room and you're looking at a team rather than looking at a manager But I what did all my career all of a sudden I was a guy that they were all looking at and the first uh, moments are, are daunting to be honest and you feel the responsibility and you feel the the sort of the eyes all looking at you going right come on then what are we
0: doing uh, so, yeah, so that's how really it, it sort of got going. Just on that, Mickey, I'm intrigued to find out whether you think it's important that you have played the game to become a manager because, again, having conversations within uh, where I work at UCFB with students, they mention different coaches and different managers. Mourinho was a translator and then got the opportunity to obviously manage at the, the highest level. What what are your thoughts on that in terms of your experiences and that transition for you? You know, is it important that you have played the game to to have that transferability into management, or does it differ? I'm intrigued on what you think about that. If you're asking about me, um, I did a lot of
1: coaching from experience. So remembering how I felt, remembering how I was on the pitch, what I wanted to see, how I wanted to play, how I remembered playing, and and. and how other sort of players affected me, or teams affected me, and then been able to go into a, um, a coaching environment and be able to see the pictures of that, and then because I'd seen the pictures of that, be able to organise my teams around a bit my what I, what I remembered, what was really invaluable to me, um, and still pretty much now when I, whenever I'm coaching, I feel myself getting pulled towards the middle of the pitch, and being able to do a full sort of 360 and shut, I could probably shut my eyes and tell you where I wanted everybody to be if I was playing. So I can coach from that sort of point of view and then I can kind of look down on it um, and sort of imagine wherever it is in the pitch. So I really admire people who haven't played that can do that. Um, you need to ask them how they do that. Uh, but there certainly has been enough people out there who haven't had football careers that have gone on to have stellar management careers. Uh, and be able to do that, that culture side of it. But certainly for me, I'd have found it very, very difficult and I, I sort of relied on my own experiences and the own pictures that i built up from a playing career.
0: So on that then, Mickey, what skills do you think are essential in terms of maybe leading groups of, of individuals, teams, etc., within certain divisions, certain leagues? Is there anything that you think is, is relevant to you? You mentioned at the beginning that being streetwise, I can imagine that from a personal point of view, it's getting to know individuals and characters. Is there anything on top of that that you think is relevant to ensure that you are effectively managing and leading groups of individuals to achieve promotion, achieve winning on a Saturday, et cetera?
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, relationships, you've got to build relationships with everybody and everything. So if you, you say see any, any player about something, they'll, they'll tell you what the relationship is, that they, 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 I love it or, or I, I hate it or whatever. That's, that's their relationship. So if you say, what's the training like? And, they, and they're honest, they'll say, oh, I hate it. Well, a relationship with training is they hate it. So you've got to build relationships with, with things and people. And people have got to unite towards, without getting too technical, a common vision. You've got to set the vision. So what is it that you want that group to achieve? What is it you think realistically? And that's the important part, realistically, that you can sell that vision to that group of players because if you set it too big, they won't buy your vision and you lose credibility in the relationship with gone. So if you set a realistic vision for that group and that group buy into that, so you have a, have a relationship with that vision and we all think, yeah, we can achieve that. And the way that I look at a vision is, vision is here. And where we are is here. So what are we working on in here to get to the vision? So what do we need to do to improve, to get to what we believe is the vision, so the the, the outcome? And then there's all the behaviours that all groups have to have. So they, they would be your values. So what's your values as a group that you have to live by to be a, 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 a outstanding team that achieves the vision? So the communication team spirit or any kind of words resilience um, or any kind of words that, that if you sat down with 10-15 guys and said give me give me your values that you think any good team should have in order to function as a really good team what behaviors are they uh, in order to try and achieve a vision and then everybody lifts towards their values then you've got a good good chance of then achieving the vision so it's about achieve it's about g- getting all that right and then obviously people speak about culture. So above all that would be culture. And then having a belief that uh, it can go and be achieved with all the values that you have and keep working away at it. And one of your values will be resilience. You've got to keep going and belief and and that's 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 what any good team would have. Any good team that I would have would, would have a good a good a good relationship with a vision that they believed in was achievable. And uh, have good values as a group in order to try and get there.
0: And is that vision shared with owners as well, so they they understand what you're trying to accomplish within that vision and culture? How, how do you work with them in terms of leading above? I'm I'm intrigued on that. Yeah, you would t- when you sit down,
1: and what's important is right at the start, and your and your sort of initial period, and you say right, what when you go for your interview, ever you go to to go and be a manager, you would say, well, why me and what is it that you think that us collectively, with the resources that you've gave me, facilities I've got and the playing staff I've got, what is it that you think that I'm going to achieve? And then you would be perfectly within your rights then to sort of argue that when you're in your honeymoon period, if you like, to get it to a place where you think is achievable because otherwise they come to me and they say, you know, you won the European Cup, the Premier League? And i and, uh, and I don't believe that it can be achieved. then it's not doable. So you're you're you you're on a know, and it's important that you you have a shared doable vision, if you like, um, or or at least be seen to be working towards it and getting closer to it So yeah, right at the very start, that you would sit down with the, the stakeholders, the people who uh, are are about to employ you, and you would uh, go through that with them and. And and come to a place where you thought, right? Okay, that's, I'm happy with that user. I, I I use the phrase that everybody's tails wagging. So everybody's tails wagging. Everybody's happy. Yeah, we're, we're we're good to go for that. I think that's doable. Um,
0: let's crack on. If we look at Tramia and your back-to-back promotion spell at the football club, what do you think was unique about that? Periods within um, that footballing journey was there anything that you think that stood out that enabled you to be successful on reflection of that time obviously you need, you need good players
1: you need good players and things have to be united so there, there's, I always say there's three stakeholders in it there's, there's the, the fan base supporters there's the ownership and there's the football team the playing football team when involved in that would be the staff and Players and all the, all, the, all the rest of it. They three have to be united and and we seem to be working together to try and achieve. I keep using the word vision, but what is it that we're trying to do? So, try we're trying to try get back into the Football League. So, we were united, and yeah, that, I think that that's what we have to try and do. There was no hide away from that, that's what we had to do. Um, and then, if they won, the people on, and I, I, I always hear a lot of people speaking about philosophies and and all the rest of it, but my, my take on that is that there's a lot of people watching Soccer Saturday now, not involved in football, have far, far better philosophies than I've ever had. Probably fireworks coming out the back and all sorts of philosophies and fantastic but didn't win enough games. you got to win games to keep yourself going and keep belief in you, or at least be have a team that's looking like it's going to start winning games. I've never yet had the manager been kept in a job because the team played brilliant football, but they, they weren't winning games you, you eventually you've got to win games of football to, to progress that's that's what it's all about so you've got to keep that in your mind as well but as long as you're working towards and looking likely that you're going to be winning games and that's the next stage to touch your winning games That me your team won games they won games Um, are good players and good people and uh, we had a good togetherness and we were able to uh, keep things moving forward and, and we were able to uh, Achieve something that's that's that was unbelievable.
0: You mentioned national league, and then that promotion in, into obviously the football league, and then uh, your promotion into to League One. How do you keep momentum? Is is there is there a strategy or, or anything that you think is relevant within that process as a manager to keep motivation, keep momentum, and and achieve promotional targets? Is there anything that you think is key within that process of of your experience there? Yeah. You- yeah, I, wrote, I wrote a book about it in the first 100
1: days you've got to keep revisiting it you've got to go back over it again reset the vision make it realistic reset the goals and the targets decide what is important for this group behaviours and values and then set the standard and then anything that drops below the standard you have to be right in and among it you have to establish a way of playing that scores your goals and you have to establish a way of playing that scores your goals and keeps you clean sheets um, and it is as simple as that with a group of players that you have and that's as easy as I could articulate it to you because I see football really simple and if you go to players that can score your goals and players that can keep you clean sheets it's the it's the, it's the the absolute remedy to success um, and if you're not getting one or the other then you've got to find a way of of getting the balance straight and trying to give yourself a chance of winning games again. Um but that team kept scoring goals and kept couldn't keeping clean sheets and and, and went again, got promoted
0: again. So they did really well. What about you as a as a coach then, Mickey? Because there might be times where results might not go your way and certain things challenge you and your vision and your outlook towards coaching and management, etc. Is there anything that stands out from your experience as a coach that has challenged your thinking and made you think differently about football? Yeah, and you you just, I think you just used it, so certain things will make me go,
1: oh, so straight away you went, you, 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 and I, and right away I went, no, it's not about me. It's about the players. It's about us finding a way for them to perform. I love the term sort of servant leader, where you you you're sort of doing everything you can to get a group of players to perform the best that they can. And also you're, you're giving a group of players a hard time because you want them to be the best you can be and you build that relationship with your players that they know when you're having a go at them it's because you know they can do better. So everything that I did was for them. Everything that I did. And of course off the back of that, then I would eventually get my part in the back but I never looked for that until the players had achieved because without the players performing and winning games the manager is nothing You've, the players have got to eventually be right at the front or all the time be at the front because no matter how good you are as a manager you need the players to perform So, uh, and that's what your job is to get them to perform and then you come in at the, the back end of that so yeah, that's what very much I learned very very quickly in football was, it's all about the players it's all about us getting the players to perform be mentally ready uh, all the time and uh, be prepared to to be that guy that's uh,
0: there for them um, to get them going and to keep them going. Do you think people or coaches or managers tend to forget that? I could get the sense that from what you've said on reflection it's removing your ego and thinking about the group collectively and that collaboration. Do you think sometimes within leadership and management that's sometimes missed and people tend to be very self-focused and that impacts the outcomes of what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. I think,
1: I think if you, if you, if you look to certain situations, you would be able to say that, that if you went, is it all about the players or is it all about the manager? You'd be able to separate that. You'd be able to say, oh, it's all about the manager. Or if you went at the, 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 the brilliant teams, like your, 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 your clubs and your, yeah. Guardiola's and all these kind of guys, it's it's, it's the players, It's they, they, they'll always speak about the players, and how good his players are and, and he'll always stick up for his players and fight for his players. So they fight for the players. I think when, when I was a player, I understood that if it was all about the manager or I've seen other managers, it's been all about them, they don't last long. Don't last long because it's not what the players want. The, the players want it to be about them, quite rightly so. Um, I've managed to tell everybody how good he is, and continually tell him until it's not. It's, it's I was brilliant, but the players were corrupt, weren't great. Um, I did everything I could, but the players let me down. He ain't lasting. He's not lasting. So um, I'd say that not just out of experience, so out of know-how that it's that's the way it's got to. That's just the way it is.
0: It's just the way it is. It's the way it's got to be. It's got to be about the players. Obviously, you had a promotion at Shrewsbury as well, and we, we mentioned Tramia. Was there any differences in terms of those campaigns? Is there anything that stands out on reflection of, of both successes for you, and in terms of your approach to, to both teams that were significantly successful?
1: Yeah, all, all very, all different promotions at Fleetwood as well. Which was, we're, all, yeah. were all different. They were all different. Um, the Shrewsbury one, when I went in there, they only had four players start of the season, they'd just been relegated to from the League One. Well, it's four players, so it was a complete rebuild. So that's a different job to when I went to uh, Tranmere. They were already, uh, uh, sort of, near, near enough uh, half the way through the season. Um, and the, the team was already established. So yeah, they're, they're all different, all the jobs are all different. But the way that I look at it will never change. Scoring goals and keeping clean sheets That'll be about bit And using the, the, the quality of the players that I have And not expecting them to do things that they can't do In order to try and achieve that has always been something that Will be the first thing that I always look at I always try to improve them, get them fitter Mental Mentality, get them tougher Get them to accept what I call suffering um, Which means get used to being out of breath and running around And just take the stats with normal High-profile, great footballers take as normal, so get used to suffering. And basically, they would be the the the, the initial asks that I would that I would look for.
0: I get the sense, Mickey, from from talking to you for the last twenty-five minutes, is is that you make football simple. And I think as if I was a player playing for you, it's okay. I know what I need to achieve. You mentioned your vision, and that's what the outcomes are. I uh, set out to be. But do you feel maybe from like a leadership and coaching perspective, and you mentioned Soccer Saturday and the panel within that and philosophies, do you think we overcomplicate the game in terms of tactical information, etc.? Because well, again, like I said, from speaking to you, it's simple from what you, you're trying to say. Well, I'll, I'll put it back to you. If, if I sort of wiped the whole of the
1: football world's minds right now, and I come out now, you. Organized the game with with two targets at each end and a, a white square right around the outside of it and sort of said that I love when yous put that colour on and I love when yous put that colour on and you scored it that goal and you stopped them doing that. Do you think we play it better? Do you think we would understand it a lot better? Do you think we've Probably so yeah? Do you think we've complicated it so much now that we're just trying to understand complication now rather than just common sense at times that when you get closer to your your goal maybe try and stop you from playing it forward and maybe there's areas that I need to get a wee bit more aggressive to stop you from playing forward and when you've got it maybe try and get behind the ball to stop you from putting it in that goal and when we get it let's try and get it into there quicker I think we'd be a lot I think a lot a lot of teams would be a lot better if we uh Actually, just remember that the object of the game wasn't simplified. I mean, I hear some of the stuff that people say now and I think I've done 700 games as a manager and about 600, 700 as a player, and I don't even know what you're on about. I don't even know what you're on about. Um, I think sometimes now, if you come up with, up with sort of fancy words and sort of fancy things, um, which just mean some simple reasons... I think people get kind of turned on with that. So people are getting a wee bit carried away and going for more fancy words. But really, uh, the game's very simple. The, game's, the game is very simple. It's uh, two athletes chase after a ball, try to get into one goal, try to stop it in the other. And there's rules around things that sort of organise the game. Uh, what you can do and what you can't do. But generally, I think that the object of the game is is, is pretty simple.
0: It kind of leads me to my next question, really. What, what do you think the general state is of English football, from maybe a non-league, League Two, League One? What do you think your overall thoughts are on the standard and how it's developed, maybe over the time? You mentioned 700 games as a player and 700 games as a as a coach. Do you, do you think it's developed in a, a unique way, or is there still limitations? I'm just intrigued on what your overall thought is on how it's. Yeah, I, I, I watch I watch a lot of football now.
1: Barry, a lot of football and I'm intrigued and, and I wonder if as ever I went to people sort of 10 years ago and I said to them there's going to come a time in football where in one half of football your goalkeeper is going to touch the ball outside the 18-yard box more than your striker I wonder if they'd have thought that that was ever possible and I wonder if they'd have thought that the goalkeeper touched the ball pretty much more on it outside his box and build up play than most of your players. I, I would wonder if they'd say, "No, nah, that that can never happen." I go to a lot of football now, and that's happening. It's gone. Goalkeepers are in the middle of centre backs now, and, and making up a three man start to things, and not really getting anywhere. And the goalkeeper, and meanwhile the strikers standing up front, and we, we don't get it to them. that kind of sort of baffles me and why we, we sort of go rid of the wingers will always kind of baffle me wingers when, when when I was growing up was the most exciting thing about football the winger against the fullback battle get out to the wide man go and take people on I was brought up watching football in Scotland and the wingers were what it was all about, you get out to them in the battle with the fullback and the overlaps and get a ball in a box and people attacking the ball That was that's how I loved football, now it's, it's changed massively where people want to evolve the goalkeeper. There's no enough a lot of 18-yard box action now, which which um, I don't really enjoy to be honest. I was I, I, I sort of yearn for a winger then again, to go and take somebody on and outside and hit the byline and get up on a box. But it's the way that it's gone and new wingers want to come inside and they'll play inside and full-backs are becoming the, 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 the guys who are wingers and and you're thinking, well, actually, you're a full-back because you're not good enough at the dribbling to be a winger. so why are you there now? Because they've rotated and he's good out there. So, so certain things, sort of common sense, I think, well, why why didn't you just keep a winger and your game it and go and get the full-back? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but you try find wingers now, there's not many around, because we, we, everybody wants to come inside now and play what was the old sort of inside-forward position now. If they wants to come in there?
0: Nobody really wants to get weight. It's even even with the strikers as well. There's a there's a lack of two strikers up front. Like it was always exciting to see two forwards trying to score goals. Yeah. you know. Yeah, I. I, streets, I mean, you you guys remember York and Cole and
1: for years Douglas and Rush and the partnerships and the combinations between them were were electric. You know, the, the absolute electric to see partnerships up front and. Um, people letting things go and his, his straight part of picking up and spinning and giving it back and file it away. But I loved that foot. I thought that football was was electrifying. There's a lot of love about the 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 modern game, but I think um I hope that maybe we go back to people developing wingers again. But I think it's too long gone down the chain. And I think even at four and five, you now you don't see many kids playing on the wingers, such like an old fashioned winger. So. So at least for another 10, 15 years, it's nobody happens. happen, is it? You're not going to get that back. But they miss wingers, so that's just uh, that's just my take on things.
0: I want to bring you back to your managerial career when you transitioned back to Scotland with Dundee United. Was there anything different from uh, managing a team within Scotland in comparison to England? Is there anything that stands out during that that transition? Yeah, very much because there was no crowds because it was COVID, so there. (laughs) So (laughs) we (laughs) had to (laughs) be at big stadiums and was nobody there.
1: It was just us. Um, No, it was listen football's football. Um, No, probably really, really difficult to play in a league with Celtic and Rangers in it. I think the gap between finances and the players that you were recruiting was just, it was just, it just wasn't a battle at times. It was it was like to try to stop a juggernaut with a bow and arrow it was impossible at times <laughs> um, that was strange that was difficult and then going to go and get interviewed at the end of the games and people speak as if it was a 50-50 toe-to-toe competition you're thinking well, hang on a minute was, their team probably cost I don't know however, however, however many 100 million or whatever and my team was just sort of put together from local lads and kids coming through the academy and so that was, that was a big, that was difficult. That was really difficult. But generally, the I enjoyed the football in, in Scotland. Uh, the football clubs are institutions and they're like museums and monuments to the community. So when you go to like Comarnock and these kind of places that the United, the grounds are immaculate. Uh, the the history in them is incredible at museums to, to the past. Um, so and, and really Really well looked after So that that really is something that MD who to Scotland will be able to share with you it's, 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 That's quite That's quite amazing The history, it's in the grounds um, But no, I, I really enjoyed it, I loved it But it was time to come back I was always hitting my mind I was coming back Personal reasons I wanted to come back My daughter was six, uh, sort of 14 Starting her GCSE So now again you've got to put yourself to the side And don't be selfish and yeah, we, we we do have
0: families, and we do have lives. Football managers and football people, and you've got to put them first. Just just on that, you mentioned expectations and uh, pressures, and managing maybe media. Um, just on reflection of maybe the football clubs that you you've managed, how do you cope with that? Uh, has that developed over time? And you know, when for example results are not going too well, and you mentioned COVID, and that might impact the the processes of your team and sitting your team out. How do you deal with maybe the pressures and added stresses that come with football management? Well, it goes right back to the start. You, you, you focus on the things that,
1: are, that you're, you, you're in control of. So all I can be in control of is try to help my players be the best that they can be. I can't go on the pitch and score goals so I can only control what I can control. So it's about making sure you don't let your focus drift. And it only stays on what's staying your job. What's your job? So I've I I am very, very very clear in my mind of making sure that, do your job, do your job, make sure the players are ready. It's not about you feeling peed off and upset about people being personal with you. It's not your job. The job's to be there for the players. Get your big boy pants on and. Get early at training pitch and get your players ready, get them ready for the next game. Um and away you go. Um so when you speak to the, 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 the press and all the rest of it and yeah, I yeah, I understand, yeah, it's a good win and all the rest of it. Yeah, but we will be back Monday to go and do my job again. Uh defeat, yeah, understand it was disappointing and all the rest of it and what stuff we go wrong and I'll get back on the training pitch and I'm going to try and get us back on track for Monday and get going again. And that's all I can do can't do anything else about that
0: so control the controllables and don't get too low with the lows and don't get too high with the highs is that what you're trying to say
1: <laughs> no I, um, we, we if any of you you, they don't get too low and they don't get too high I would say they're lying really yeah because it's football and it's emotional if it's not i, would, I would probably want to go to, I want to go into um, Amazon New and go buy a Switch that switches emotional f- because if somebody's got that and I tell you what, they, they uh there won't be a bank big enough to hold the money that is out there for it. <laughs> Emotion you you can deal with, it, have coping mechanisms for it and all the rest of it and and little routines and go for a walk and yeah, mindfulness and all this. But you're down when you're down and you're up when you're up. And the important mm. thing is is just sort of riding the wave of it and knowing that it will eventually it will pass. Um, and it does, and as you get sort of more experience in life, not just football, you sort of understand that, yeah, I'm going to be a bit peed off now until I'm probably Monday lunchtime, so just, just go away and just try me the best I can be until then. But on there's no switch that I can go and buy that's got a switch and start off, but I'll try and act it out a wee bit and see that I'm okay, but actually I'm pretty pissed off. And then the will say that it'll be highs of kite if the missy's asking for anything on a Sunday after I win, she can have two of them. So, yeah. That's just the way it is, and um, and if, if, if other people see football differently, good uh, luck to them. But um, I'd be struggling to find anybody who would wouldn't sort of empathise with
0: that. That's that sort of thing. Is there any memorable moments that stand out on reflection of your career, Mickey, um, in terms of football management? Anything that stands out that you thoroughly enjoyed? Can you oh, kind of uh, reflect on it? why did not there's a particular moment
1: there? And then winning, winning, winning big games. Winning at Wembley. Winning big games. Winning derby games. Um, seeing your players, um, get big moves, and then seeing them operate for, England. Um, seeing them going inside and remembering in the moment that you got them, and thinking, "Wow, look how well you've done!" And terrific to see. Um, people achieving great things when you know how hard they've worked to get there. So yeah, loads and loads of things that uh, I would look at and, and be very, very, very pleased about. Um, probably too many to, to mention. I would miss some out, but see my my main boy playing as well. I mean, now I'm, I'm very fortunate. I can go and watch my boy playing league football. He's going to play for Scotland on Friday, so I can't get up there. But um, the point you play for Scotland is it's is incredible you know I remember him as a as a, as a little chap and now he's he's gone
0: representing our country it's, it's amazing Do you find yourself being a mentor for him just down to experiences that you've had as a manager and the player do you kind of share insights to pro- protect him and also support him? Yeah it's a tricky one
1: now because I'm his dad and you know you're like you your in your dad you're always like Everybody else knows better than your dad, didn't it? <laughs> He'd listen to somebody else rather than your dad sometimes, but you just got to try and get the balance right and then remember. I've got to remember that michael go got other football managers. I'm not his manager. So for me, yeah. I've got to say, Michael, go play like this. His manager might not want me to, want to play like that. He might have a different style to play. But I always say to Michael, you, you, you get paid to do three things you get paid to turn up, you get paid to have a go and uh, you, get, you, you, you get paid to, to, to go and be a good teammate so go and do three things and maybe they can never got go at you if you don't have a great performance and you do the three things then maybe they can ask any more than you and, that, um, and I'll always say to did you, them did you have a right good go uh, and did you what your socks up for your teammates um, and then I'll say right that's fine uh, maybe can ask any more than that of you uh, and to be fair to me does it puts a shift in
0: Good stuff. For people that are listening or watching this podcast, they might be thinking about how they develop themselves within football, whether that's in uh, sport as a whole. It might be other disciplines, education, business. What advice would you give to, to maybe someone to become a better leader and a manager within, it, within their field? Is there anything that you think is relevant to, to share to, to support their journey?
1: Yeah, everything. Get out there and learn. Go meet people, Go and read the books, go and listen to the podcasts, go and practice your craft, go and be relentless. Don't disappointment. I, I heard loads of things about disappointment. I had one or day days just a bruise. I love, love all that kind of stuff. It's just a bruise and come back from it. Yeah. Just, just keep going, keep believing. Um, and probably the biggest one is if, if whatever you want to be, you think about the behaviours and the lifestyle and the sacrifices that that person would have to make, and if you honestly go and you act or 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 be that person and live your life and make the sacrifices and do the training and all the rest of it, then the very least you give yourself a good chance of being that person. But if you cut corners, and because we all know what it takes to be to be really really good at something but if you go and cut corners and you don't put the graft in you'll not get there and if you dare you will not stay there because for every one of you it's no doubt that I'm telling you that there's people who are putting the time in and and uh, doing the behaviours and getting up to bed early eating properly training well looking to improve looking at themselves in the mirror seeing how they can get better understanding where they want to get to and understanding the sacrifices that have to be made, and then going and attacking it uh, all the time, and don't come off the path, keep going. Because everybody knows, if you ask yourself the question in anything that you were going to go and do in life, you say, does that make me a better player, or does that make me a better player? So any choice that comes your way, does that make me a better player, does that make me a better player? You'll know the answer to that. And then you go with it, that won't make me a better player. Don't do then. And the mere, the, um, the mere of the answers that you give positively, that the better chance give yourself of being whatever it is that you want to be. And it is as cut and dried as that. If you want to go to nightclubs, if you want to go the night before games, if you want to go and drink and eat crap the night before a game, guess what? You ain't getting nowhere. But if you want to get out of swerve, you want to prepare properly, you want to eat right, you've trained right, you get your mentality right, You've got a better chance than the other guy, and it is as simple as that.
0: Love that, Mickey. Um, last final questions. What is the next steps for you in terms of your managerial career? Is there anything that you've got your eye on? Is there anything that you want to achieve going forward? Yeah, I, I, I had a
1: good rest at the football. I needed it. I hadn't been at football for probably hadn't been at football for I don't think two weeks since I was sixteen. And I'm now 51. That's a lot of football. So I decided to take a wee step back, and I, and I've got, I went into leadership. So I've am i I'm known for about six or seven months I've done a lot of leadership. So I've got into schools, and I'm working with nine leaders in nine schools, loads of kids, loads of teachers, loads of TAs. Um, okay. Yeah, and, and so I'm getting a lot of leadership, and, I'm, and I've kind just designed my own leadership course, nine month leadership course uh, which actually starts, starts tomorrow, so I do that tomorrow with the leaders, so we joined in all that, and I've had a lot of football opportunities, and I have I know all managers say I had a lot of opportunities because they want to see that, but I have and none of them just, what want the right time or what, what I wanted to do, or logistically they weren't where I wanted to be Um, but I feel that a couple of opportunities maybe are coming in my way very soon that maybe tick the boxes and um, I'm ready to go back in and I'm, I would be excited about the challenge and I could continue doing my leadership stuff because that's important to me keep supporting the kids so if, 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 if that came along which I'm hoping it is then uh, yeah I would go back into football again but I've done enough. A lot in football I've won I mean, I, I can sit here alone and say I've won every league from the Conference North, Conference Premier, League Two, League One. Only one I've not one is the Championship. So I've done Hamden, I've done Wembley, I've done games against Man U, Man City, Liverpool, all the games, Celtic, Rangers. So I didn't go back in. I, I could sit back and say, "Well, oh, listen, you, did it. You, you, you were very, you were very fortunate what you were able to be involved in you." with great players like Varpe and John Stones and all these guys so I've been blessed I've been blessed with a fabulous career and if something else pops up
0: um, I will resume it but if it doesn't I'll continue trying to be the best I can be at whatever I do How would you like to be remembered Mickey? Final question by the way How would you like to be remembered? Well God that's a question
1: um, <laughs> I don't know if that really bothers me I don't know who shall I'm gonna answer for you? I'm. Um, I don't know. I. I think Rather Ronald walking towards how I want to be remembered. I just try and concentrate on how I like to be. And I like to be, a good guy. I like to be a good guy. I like to think that I want the best for everybody. I'm. I. I am. I. Uh, I care about people. Um. And I just try and be that person. And how I'm remembered will be what that impacted on people when I'm gone. So I can't really think about that because I won't be here. So who, who who really, who cares? Unless I don't know, someone else happens, but we, we no need to no, know. But no, I just try and be the best I can be and um, and be a good guy. Just, just, that's what I say to my kids all the time just be nice. Just be nice. Um, and I just try and be nice. <laughs>
0: Well, we'll end it there, Mickey. I just want to thank, thank you. you for your time. And obviously, prior to our conversation, um, we've yep. been back and forth on WhatsApp and obviously, unfortunately, you, you, you haven't been well. So I just want to thank you for you giving me time to speak to you today. Um, and also, I just want to wish you well in terms of your next steps. And you mentioned your son as well. I wish you well with that endeavor as well. So uh, thank you and, and good luck.